Bible's out. Get also, it's on the back of that new order of service we've been printing out today. We're looking at Luke 5, and I love our text today. Hands down, top five, and I only make it a part of the top five because I feel like it's a, a, an obligation to have birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus as top three, and then you kind of get two more. Now, we are continuing with this story in Luke's gospel. We're picking up right at the beginning of chapter five, and even though it's early on, I think we're getting this glimpse of what it really means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Because what we're seeing here is this first invitation in Luke's gospel to follow Jesus. And I love the way that Luke uses that word follow as discipleship. He uses it so much that in the book of Acts, what they actually call the disciples of Jesus is those who belong to the way, the way of following to catch us up where we've been so far, Luke started with the birth of Jesus, the Magi's visits, Jesus as the young boy in the temple, John the Baptist preparing the way, the genealogy of Jesus to show that this is the Son of God. We saw Jesus tempted in the wilderness and overcoming it. We saw him return to Galilee, to Nazareth, to Capernaum, and now everywhere he is going, we are seeing him do miracles and we are seeing him teach. We are seeing a pattern of teaching and healing of Jesus being that anointed one that when he opened that scroll and said, this is fulfilled, we are seeing it happen. The Messiah who is bringing light and hope into this world. And so here we go. One of my favorites. Verse 1 of chapter 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's another word for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore and sat down and taught the people from the boat. The people are basically crowding around him. Some translations call that pushing up against him. The commentaries describe it as if they were forcing their way to get as close as they could to him. And so he steps onto the boat so that he can have a little bit of space and teach. And look what it says He sits and begins to teach the people, and the people were listening. I love that. Because look around 2,000 years later, and we still see people gathered around the word of God, listening, letting it come into their hearts and impact the way that they will live. And while everyone is listening, we get a couple of fishermen here who are doing a little multitasking and listening and washing their nets. From the other Gospels, we can infer that what we got here is we've got Peter, we've got Andrew, we've got James, we've got John, we've got Nathaniel, Philip, and probably Thomas, who are cleaning the nets and are the fishermen in our text today. Now, Luke doesn't reveal what Jesus teaches, but we can guess that he is doing what he has been doing from the beginning of his teaching ministry, letting the people know that the kingdom of God has come. What this means, what this looks like, this kingdom of God bringing light into the darkness, letting them know that the Son of Man has come not to condemn the world, but to save it, as we'll see in our text. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down, I will let down the nets. Jesus says, hey, We're heading out into deep water, let down the notes, and Peter responds. This is what it looks like, friends, to live by faith and not by sight, to hear God's call and just say yes. But I can't help but wonder, what did Jesus look like 
when he said, let's go out into deep water. I kind of feel like Luke was kind of cleaning it up. Do you think Jesus was like slapping the guys on the back? Come on, dudes, we're going fishing. You're in, I'm in, grab the nets, let's go. Or do you have like wise, calm Jesus who like steps to the bow of the boat and says, put out into the deep water, let down the nets for a catch. However he looked, we don't know. I'm guessing that they thought, Jesus, you're kind of out of your element. Now, I know literally he created all of the elements, so he's not, but really he's a carpenter. Now, a teacher, not a fisherman. So I don't know how Peter gives this response, how he wasn't just like, nah, <laughs> no, we are not going fishing. We just fished. We did not catch anything. We are good now. And I know, Jesus, being on the boat, it's exciting. It's like super fun. But it's been a long night. We are exhausted. And I'm just trying to go home, grab a peanut butter sandwich, throw on some Kenny G, and take a nice bath. But that's not what happened. Peter said, because you say so, we will. See, Peter's convinced. I, know, I don't think he knows exactly what he's become convinced of, but he is. When this man, Jesus, speaks, you go. Not out of fear or out of reluctance, but out of wonder, out of, out of something indescribable, something that makes you just listen and respond. Something that makes you ignore your own logic, your own reason, your own experience, and you start taking God at his word. This is the picture of faith. So when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You see what happens. All of the knowledge, all of the experience, the known, thrown out the window. Nets breaking, other boats coming in, both boats starting to sink. Friends, these aren't just like your little canoes or your kayaks at Disneyland. These dudes had a good business going. And I don't know a lot about fishing or fish, but I do know that it takes a lot to sink boats, let alone two. We got to read this and our prayer has got to be, God, break my logic. Break my reason. Sink everything that I have been keeping my faith in that is not you. Because how often do we resist Jesus' claim on our lives because what he's calling us to do seems so crazy, too impractical. Forgive? Come on, Jesus. How often do we avoid putting ourselves out into those deep waters of following and bearing witness to Jesus because it's just a little uncomfortable? And what if we don't see any results right away? What does it mean for us to go deep sea fishing with Jesus, to trust and to follow him outside of our comfort zones? What would it look like if we let go of all of our certainties to have our lives radically reorientated by Jesus? Simon Peter solves this, falls at his knees, says, get away from me, I'm a sinner. It's the first time he's called Simon Peter in the text. He throws himself down and says, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinner. Adam and Eve, they hid in the garden. Israel at the, ta at, the, at the mountain begged for God's voice to stop. They were too afraid. Peter falls to his knees. Maybe he's crying. Maybe he's shaking. 
I mean, this guy had already seen Jesus cast out demons, heal people. I mean, he was there when his mother-in-law got healed. But this, this was too real, too close to home. It's one thing to see it happen to someone else. It's another when it happens to you. Maybe you found yourself here pushing Jesus away on your knees, got the face in the fish, and you say, get away. Because you are convinced that you are not good enough as is. Got to get some things right in your life. Got to go home and clean, make the bed. Go a few days without sinning and then let Jesus call. Too many times. Too many sins. Never doing the things you want to do. Just what you want to leave behind told you this story was one of my favorites and this is why because too many times I've seen God work miracles in my life and my response is I don't deserve this I don't deserve to be a part of what he's doing because I'm afraid in my heart that I know who I am and then I'm just going to find a way to mess this up get away and you see what happens you can see this scene, right? This one that you're reading on the screen. I see it in your mind. Everybody's exhausted because they've been hauling in all this fish. They kind of pause. They hear Peter scream, get away, and fall down. Everyone stops what they're doing, wondering should they fall down too. But they're not looking at each other. They're looking only at Jesus. Wondering what is Jesus going to do? Is he going to say get away? Maybe you see this too. Jesus reaching down, touching Peter's shoulder. Head slowly looks up. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You can look up the Greek. It's literally stop being fearful say this to calm a baby down. Peter was afraid of Jesus. And Jesus says, put that fear away. I'm coming in love, not to see you cower in fear, but to give you the love. Because don't be afraid means nothing more than your sins are forgiven. You're with me now. Your worth is not in your past, but on my word, and on my work, from now on, it is you and me together. And he says that to each one of us, don't be afraid. It doesn't matter what you know, what you've done, what's been said about you, what you hear, what you're being told by others, the lies that you've bought into, this self-hatred that you have. Heart tired and exhausted, and in all the experiences looking around, not seeing God anywhere. Heard it said that you only get what you deserve. It's not here. Not here in the words of Jesus. Jesus calls Peter and his partners as they are. There's no Simon, get your act together, clean up your resume, and then I'll interview you. 
Jesus comes to Simon as he is and says, don't be afraid. Something new is coming. And throughout Scripture, we see that human sin, failure, inadequacies are not obstacles to God's call. God calls imperfect people to do his work. People who are filled with doubt. Moses saw the waters split and still doubted in the promises of God. Jacob was named liar from birth. And God said, your name will be changed. From now on, you are mine. When you doubt or we resist, remember that God does not wait for us to shape up. But God comes to us and then begins shaping us into his servants. Because he says, don't be afraid from now on. From now on, the one who made you, the one who formed this world has spoken over you. And he says, don't be afraid. It's you and me now, together. And it's always been that way. I declared you forgiven. I included you. I cherish you. I'm not a stranger to your darkness, nor am I afraid of it. But I pick you up and say, from now on, it's you and me. Jesus comes to redefine us, to invite us to participate in this new life, this new kingdom come life. And he picks us up because this is a life that is all about reaching for others, reaching them by words and deeds, words and deeds that are centered in Jesus. To catch fish, you need what, like a boat, a pole, a net? I don't know. But to catch people, you need forgiveness from Jesus and then the words of Jesus. And we have that. We stood together as one body, one family, and said, we are broken and in need, and heard him say, you are forgiven on account of what my son has done. We will come together as one body, hands out each one of us, bringing nothing to this table but receiving everything. The word has spoken. So it's time to leave the noise, the distraction, the worry, the hurry, the whatever. Lay it down and leave it behind and follow. Not wasting a single second bothering to look back or waiting for that right moment or snapping a pic. Just leaving it. You realize what these fishermen left from. So much fish that it was sinking the two boats. That's probably a lot of money to be made there. And they walk away from it. Why? Because it's not worth it. Encountering Jesus completely reorientates your life. What good is a bunch of fish that's sinking your boat and breaking your net? What good is it to inherit the whole world and forfeit your soul? What good is it to slave away for just a little bit more only to find that it doesn't satisfy? John was there. He was there at the first one and at the second one when the resurrection happens. Both time, too many fish. And yet, none of those catches hold a candle to what he sees in Revelation. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. 
wearing the white robes that they had received, holding the palm branches of victory in their hand, crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And when asked, who is this, who caught all these people, he says, you know. And the angel responds, these are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, this catch is before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst, never again will the sun beat down on them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will lead them to springs of living water and will wipe away every tear from their eye. If you have been waiting for that sign, waiting for your name to be called, waiting for the light to change so you can go, come, simply follow, come to the table, receive what he offers, and face this week and every day that follows in prayer, in service, in the confidence that you have been given because of the word of God that has come to you. Because God is still making all things new. And he's certainly not finished yet. Look around. He's still making sinners into fishers of men. Still taking bristles and thrones and turning them into gardens. Smoldering wicks and turning them into flames. Bruised reeds and making them strong as oaks. Because in the pierced hands of Jesus that reach down for you, you find love and purpose and something more. Something more than this modern world has to offer. Something more that we see when we scroll. Something more than that insatiable desire. Certainly something more than just ourselves. Maybe we won't be dropping the nets and leaving everything today because maybe we're not supposed to. Maybe we're supposed to start right where we are today. Called at our baptism to participate in this mission, to serve the people around you, starting with your family, your friends, your community, your workplaces. Called to reorientate our priorities, to align them with God's priorities. To stop sitting there thinking, what are my excuses to not do this? And to simply use and believe that what God has given you, the unique ability to love and serve in a way that no one else can, to go. Because this world is broken and the need is far too urgent. You have been called now, right now. In spite of your own frailty, your own failures and doubts. Ordinary, busy, complicated lives. Called to leave it all and follow Jesus. That's trust. Don't be afraid.